This podcast episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel that generates leads from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Nate. Let's go! In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Championship 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 Leadership Podcast Championship Leadership Podcast With Nate Bailey Hey what's up everybody Welcome to Championship Leadership Podcast and today we've got a special guest Don Mulroy He's a former Navy SEAL and uh, currently he's a leadership and business coach out of New York and uh, thank you so much, man, for, for taking some time. I really do appreciate it. No, Nate, hey, th- thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's get right to it. I, I, the first question I always like to ask is, uh, wh- what is championship leadership? That's the name of the show. What, what does that mean to you? What do you What do you think of when you hear that? Yeah, so, you know, championship leadership to me, I think, honestly, the championship obviously leads you to sports and stuff like that. But ultimately, I think it's winning. And uh, you know, my stance is, is that, Winning isn't, you know, a stagnant state. It's a, it's a state of action, state of motion. And uh, the minute you uh, switch from winning to one, you've kind of lost when you stop moving. So I look at, you know, leadership and, and championship leadership is anybody who's leading is, is taking action and, and being an active participant in their, their team, their, you know, their, their company, their organization, whatever that may be. But I just look at that as, hey, leadership and action. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's great. I was listening to, uh, you were on a, um, another podcast, Christoph Lewis, I believe it was. And yeah. um, you, you mentioned something that I wanted to talk about because you, you kind of made me think about it right there. Um, you know, you talked about being a former Navy SEAL, um, how you don't, you know, once you're out of the SEALs, um, you don't, you don't lose it, right? Like you, you're a SEAL, that mentality, that way of being, that way of living for you at least. Um, you know, it's kind of, you, you carry that with you. And also there's a bit of a responsibility there to, uh, you know, cause it's, it's the highest of the highest standards, right? Um, the Navy SEAL way. And, uh, sometimes that can be a little bit weighty of a responsibility. I, and I can definitely see like how you would say that and what you mean by that. But, and then I also think too, you know, it's the same thing as being a, a leader, right? A championship leader, like you're the standard. You, 
you don't get the days off. Um, you know, you can't really afford to make the one bad decision <laughs> because you really feel like it. So maybe could, could you talk about that a little bit and expound on that and, and what that's like and, and yeah. uh, be able to step up to that challenge? Uh, yeah, no, you know, where, where this kind of came from is I have a buddy who's a, a Dallas, he's a cop in Dallas and we would go shooting sometimes and I, I was down there in town and uh, he would always joke that like, Hey, you can beat me 99 times out of 100, and you're just the Navy SEAL beating a cop shooting. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is how it's supposed to be. Right. And he's like, all I got to do is catch you on your one bad day. You know, just, <laughs> I just got to get lucky, and then I'm the cop who beat the Navy SEAL. So, yeah, right. You know, like, I, yeah, you leave the Navy SEAL, but everybody expects you to be a Navy SEAL, right? And yeah. to be good at everything, all those things. So there's a lot of pressure there. Uh, and you know what? It comes to the territory. Yeah. It is what it is. And you just, you, you rise to the occasion. I think, hey, look, uh, you know, pressure makes diamonds, the cheesy analogy as it is. Yeah, and yeah. Up to that. And with, with leadership too, I think, look, you, you have all of these people below you looking up to you. Now, at the same time, I don't think it's, it's smart to, to always be, to be infallible uh, and not be a human. I think you have to show people that you have a human side too and that you make mistakes as well. I think leader, as a leader, I think it's almost as important to show that, hey, you make mistakes too, because then you create an environment in your team or company to allow uh, others to make mistakes or bring their mistakes to the table. And I, I think it's not so much the ex exposing your mistakes as it is, hey, what did you do with that mistake? If you're, if you're a leader who hides their mistakes, that your, your team's gonna, people is gonna hide mistakes. They're gonna follow your uh, yeah. example. But if you're the person who exposes your mistakes and then learns from them and improves and doesn't make the same mistake again, you're just going to create the team or the organization or the, or, or the culture that's going to embody that same trait. Yeah, that's really important, right? Because I think there are a lot of leaders that, you know, I think it's more from a place of insecurity of thinking that, man, I, would, I, I can't make any mistakes. Um, you know, I got to be perfect at all times. And, and that's just, it's a creating an environment where everybody else feels I have to do that too. And, and like you said, it's just, it, it's, it's an impossible task because we all make mistakes and, and in the mistakes, right. Or in the failures or whatever it is, the hardships, like that's where a lot of learning happens too. Right. And a lot of growth. I mean, I yeah. imagine, you know, in the teams, right. There's plenty of situations where something went sideways, but yet um, quickly as well, you're able to adjust and, and take whatever just happened and all right, how are we going to course correct and like, keep moving forward no exactly look you have two two sides of this right like as a leader you have all this pressure right and you have to let go of some of that a little bit um, and you have to show people the decisions that you've made and expose them to the mental models that you use to make these decisions and by doing that by debriefing those things by discussing your thought process your mental model about a decision you expose other people to that so when they go and they have to make a similar situation or similar decision in a similar situation, you know, they can fall back upon the mental model you expose them to. It's not their first time facing a decision, right? It's their first time, but they've also heard about this decision or, or how to think about this decision, you know, one, two, three, four, five times during a debrief beforehand. So they're not walking into a blind. And you know, on the other side of it, exactly your point, exposing your mistakes. The only way that you grow as an organization, as an individual, is to sit down and talk about what you've done wrong, expose those things, and learn from them. 
And I think a lot of leaders, a lot of business leaders see the pressure or feel the pressure that they have in an organization. They have, if you have a, a, a organization of a hundred people, that's a hundred people who are relying on you to run the organization effectively because their livelihood depends on it. And that's an, a ton of pressure on an executive or a, a business owner. And it's, it's not fair to them to have to be infallible. I think, and then they shouldn't feel they have to, they should have, they should be able to bring those things up, expose those things. And then as a team, uh, you know, learn from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, what, talk to us a little bit about um, maybe just your story and how you got on this, this path that you are today, obviously through the military, like what it led into that, what led you into uh, uh, the SEALs. And then, uh, yeah, transition out of that. I, I noticed like you were in for about 14 years. So, I mean, you're not that far away from some kind of a military retirement, right? And uh, yeah. I decided to make that move. And, I mean, life is just full of all these uh, critical decisions that, that we have that come, come upon us. But maybe give us a little background on you and, and how, what, what got you to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I joined the military right after high school with the intention of being a SEAL. Uh, what got me to that decision beforehand was, in all honesty, 9-11 happened. I think that's something that changed an entire generation of people. It certainly did me, uh, if not, you know, in the forefront, it definitely subconsciously. And, that, you know, I had a reason to join seeing that. And, uh, you know, I, I was getting done with end of high school and I knew that college wasn't the right choice for me, right? I was, yeah, I was gonna drink myself into oblivion and waste, <laughs> yeah. waste four years and not, and not have a focus. So, you know, I, uh, I kind of got really lucky. The recruiters at the high school, through an odd turn of events. Uh, I signed some paperwork, which meant he could call me. He did call me uh, that summer, uh, summer before my senior year. And he's like, I was, he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm filling out college applications. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, he's like, why don't you come down and see what I have to offer? So I did. And uh, I, you know, I got really lucky. And he was a, a great recruiter who was really honest and truthful with me. He didn't try to screw me over and fill a quota. Uh, and uh, being a SEAL, I, you always see the Discovery Channel programs. But it's always something like, you know, I'll never, I'll never go actually do that. It's yeah. really cool, but I'll never do it. Um, and so I ended up at the recruiters and signed like, you know, that's one of the options. And yeah. a couple months later, I signed up. I had to finish up uh, my senior year of high school before I left. And then after high school, went off straight to, uh, right to boot camp and then BUDS. I was an 18-year-old who had no idea what he was getting himself into, <laughs> in all honesty. Uh, but it was honestly one of the, uh, the best decision I made uh, up to that point, for sure. I, you know, I, I learned so much. I was exposed to so much. I grew up so quickly in those, in those years, uh, for sure. Uh, definitely, you know, to our earlier point, I stumbled and tripped and ate it a couple times, uh, face planted a, a ton. Uh, yeah, I, I, my, I learned how to pick myself up yeah. and uh, to learn from those things and how to improve. That was huge for me. So, yeah, you know, and that had a great career. Um, I met my wife shortly after probably around 10 years in the military or so, okay. um, you know, and the war was kind of tapering off and I wanted to have a family. I wanted to be around my, you know, my kids. I have a two-year-old daughter now. I have one on the way. My wife's due in January and we're super awesome. excited for that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're excited for that, but, uh, I wanted to be around for that. And, uh, since we weren't really doing much, I decided to make a change. I was going to get out at 12 years. Um, and about six weeks actually before I separated from the military and two weeks before my daughter was born, I was diagnosed with tongue cancer. Oh, wow. So yeah, I got, you know, punched in the face by that. I 
and I learned I learned a lot through that. Um, I was, you know, I forgot a lot of the lessons I learned at 18, how to face insurmountable odds and overcome adversity. And I was really crushed by this diagnosis. I just didn't know how to handle it. And uh, so I, I ended up extending to get treatment. I ended up being medically retired, which was why, you know, 14 okay. years, yeah. right. The question, hey, why didn't you just stick it out for six yeah. more and retire, right? So the decision point for me was at 12 years, I, I thought that in eight years, I can be in a better place financially uh, and, and spend more time with my kids than I could if I stayed in. Um, and I, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I always told myself if we were still at war and I thought that I was making a, a, a much bigger difference. I would, I could make that commitment, that sacrifice yeah. for the safety of my family, my kids. But I just felt like, you know, it was time the war was tailing off and uh so i got out and uh while i was going through the medical retirement process i worked for a debt financing startup uh, through a program that helps veterans as they're transitioning do an internship i ended up coming on full time to that uh ran their operations as vp of operations and a few months afterwards it, you know i got out of the military actually it, we shut it down uh, as many startups do they fail we a little too late <laughs> not enough money yeah uh, tried to pivot too late so that was a huge learning opportunity for me. And uh, I took a lot from that. And that from there, I, I really just was looking for another opportunity to work in a startup and run operations within a startup. And I, I ended up in one where I, I didn't end up doing that. I ended up being kind of a, a coach or consultant for them with their business practices and, and helping them kind of grow. They're a young company and they're around you know 30, 30 employees at the time. And what that ended up, showing me is that, hey, like the lessons that I learned as a Navy SEAL and in the military uh, and the, you know, my work in other startups, all of those lessons apply. Uh, and I have something to give to these teams and these companies and these founders and executives. Uh, and I, I enjoyed doing it. So I was like, you know what, why don't I just, why don't I just start doing this? And uh, so that's where I've kind of gone back and forth on what to call myself. You know, I, the current iteration is uh, I'm a leadership coach, leadership business coach. So I, you know, I help uh, leaders, um, managers, business owners, teams, you know, operate more efficiently, um, either as, as an individual, as a team, you know, all that going on there. So that's what I currently do now. That's great. Yeah, I, I can, uh, I can resonate with that. Like, I'm not sure what to call myself or what to tell people how to explain it. And uh, so leadership and business coach, I think is perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> We'll talk a little bit about like who are some of the people, you know, whether it's in, in, in the military experience or, you know, outside of that, that uh, strong leaders, coaches, mentors that have really impacted you in your life. And what were some of the things that really stu stood out to you, like traits, characteristics that they had that really um, made that impact and, and that, that, uh, that you've taken from them and, and put into play for yourself as a leader? Yeah, you know, I think that one of the fortunate things about the military, fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, is that every two to three years, pretty much every leadership position turns over, right? There's a forced ranking structure. And you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a hardened introvert, I guess. So I, I watch what's going on around me. And, you know, through a career, you get to see every two to three years, every position turns over, right? So you get to see what changes when you have a new leader come in. So you could have a great leader 
and then a terrible leader comes in afterwards. You get to see that change within an organization, and and yeah. vice versa. When you have a bad leader to a good leader, yeah, you know. And I I had a leader. Um, I won't say his name. Yeah. Um, he was one of the command master chiefs of the the squadron I was in of the SEAL team, and uh, you know he so this is, uh, CMC command master chief is the senior enlisted advisor. He's the the most senior enlisted uh, rank or Navy SEAL in the team, and the one before him uh, was was not a great leader. And there was a terrible culture within the organization during that time when that terrible leader was there. And it was, it was toxic. Nobody wanted to be at work. People didn't want to be in the office. Uh, it just was not a good environment to be in. And when it shifted, it was literally within like a two day period of time, this new leader came in and that toxic culture was gone um almost instantaneously overnight that's crazy and and i you you see it and what what the biggest difference that i saw really from all of it was the the terrible leader sat in his office didn't interact Mm -hmm. with the boys he didn't walk to the team room and talk to people and the new leader did Um, the new leader didn't get everything right he definitely screwed things up he he also admitted when he did those things right and he admitted it to everybody else but that new leader he, he was engaged with the team, with the people, really. And that, that lesson right there was really valuable to me to see how important it is for a leader to engage with their people. And because that's what the team relies on. Any organization is only as good as their people, right? No matter if you're a tech company or whatever, you right. rely on your people to get those things going. So that person really, really showed me. And then, you know, some of the other leaders you really see within that rank structure how a good leader, a bad leader can can shield you from, you know, a, a more senior leader or vice versa and stuff like that. So those are some really examples of the leaders I had. I don't, I'm not going to throw their names out here. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's but, fine. Uh, you know, those, those, those changes in motion uh, or, or changes of leadership really showed me uh, what a good or a bad leader could do and, and the different traits and, you know, the, the ramifications of those differences. You know, one thing that I'm, I'm thinking, like, as you're talking about this is, and of course, there are good and bad leaders, even amongst the Navy SEALs. But like the natural thought, I think, for many would be like, what, there's the Navy SEALs, there are, there are bad leaders. <laughs> like, it just, uh, you know, how is that possible? But it's a great, it's a great lesson because, yeah, I mean, there's great coaches in, in the NFL and there's horrible coaches in the NFL. And that's like the, the pinnacle of your industry, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, was that something, was that a realization for you? Was that something you expected to run into or, or am I like totally off base here? No, I don't think you're off base. I think, look, I think you have to take it within context though, right? So yeah. in the Navy SEALs, right? You know, even in the Navy SEALs, like you have, I don't care what, take outside the Navy SEALs, any group, you're gonna have your bottom 10% of performers, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna have your top 10%, your middle 80 and your bottom 10. You know, just cause somebody's a bottom 10% of the Navy SEALs, doesn't mean they're going to go anywhere else and not be the top 10%, right? Yeah, absolutely. So same, same thing with leaders. And the other side of this too is, is that, you know, not everybody's a great leader in the same time. You know, I, uh, some, some are great wartime leaders. Some are great peacetime leaders, right? And they need, yeah. there's different traits that go along with how to, how to manage those different things. And so I guess I should probably fix myself and not classify someone as a bad leader or a good leader. Uh, you know, just more situational. But I, I think, yeah. It's not definitely a surprise, but I think once you realize there's context to that, um, as well as 
that that person that I classify as a bad leader could have gone to some organization and they could be a rock star. Uh, and I think that it's really telling is that's the pressure, right? You step into an organization, yeah. you guys at the plate. Same, you know, the NBA or any other sports industry. That person could have been a rock star college coach. Doesn't yeah, right. mean they're gonna, you know, have what it takes to coach in the NBA, right? Or the yeah. you know, a pro yeah. uh, league. Yeah, well, you know, the other piece of that is is um, a great leader would be able to recognize that maybe, hey, they're just in the wrong spot. They're not, they're not necessary. Maybe we shift them over here and they shine, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, just finding out what the strengths and weaknesses of everyone around you is so that you can fit them into the right spot to thrive. No, exactly. No, I think one of the tenants, I think this is Jim Collins says this and uh, both the last, we're going to be great, I forget. Yeah. And it's, you know, hey, right person, wrong seat. You know, they yeah. could be a great person. Just want to be in the wrong seat. Yeah. You know, it, it, it all comes down to that, you know, and I think it's it's too easy. I think I think we, we, we get complacent and we just are, are too quick to classify someone as good or bad. I mean, I just did it. So uh, about five minutes ago. So yeah. I think we get to take things in context. Yeah, in that context, though, like you said, I mean, this context is everything for sure. So um, what is... Uh, how do you how do you take your experiences um, and really uh, use those to you know as you're going in and you're working with these companies or you're working with these executives, like how are you using the experiences that you had in the teams and in in life uh, to help be a great leadership and business coach uh, for these companies for these execs that you work with. Yeah, so I think it's two parts, right? Like, A, I'm an ABCO, I have a very compelling story. And I think mm -hmm. that anybody who's teaching, doing so through storytelling yeah. is the greatest way to, to teach something, right? Since, you know, back at the beginning of humankind, like, we, we told stories. Yeah. So I have great stories. Any other person who's an ABCO you know, has great stories, special operations, anything, they have a story behind them. If you can tell these lessons in a story. I got a great uh, question about that. I'm going to let you finish, but yeah. You know, people people embody that. They take it and they remember it, right? So that that's the biggest point. Is I can give them all the information in the world, but if they don't remember it when they need it, it's useless. So that's mm. that's one side. Um, so it's it's taking those lessons, not hey, how we clear buildings, all those things, but like how do we operate as as individuals? How do humans operate? How do you incentivize them? Um, all those things that I saw that I thought were great at creating great individuals or helping individuals work, um, applying them teams as well as just providing people and the leaders a different perspective. You know, that's, that's a huge thing too, is just providing someone a different way of looking at something from the outside who's not in their seat. That busy business owner who's so focused on this, they feel all the pressure of the world. Sometimes they, they have a hard time stepping out of or away from that pressure and just having a conversation with someone, a coach, and pulling themselves out of that situation for an hour at a time, 90 minutes, they're able to have that conversation and think more in, you know, intently or, or deeply about a topic. So, you know, A, storytelling, bring the lessons that I learned as a Navy SEAL to, to bear uh, and, uh, and giving them the space to do that or think organically, you know, or, or think themselves. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like the storytelling goes, um, you know, this is not, this isn't just, um, true to Navy SEAL operators or, but, you know, or even special forces operators. Um, you could, you could even broaden it out to just men and women that come from the military, sometimes very stoic 
and uh, not willing to open up. And I mean, there's certain things that you can share. There's certain things that you can't talk about, obviously. Um, but there's also there's always stories that you could take and, and parts and bits and pieces that you can share that that would help someone to see something else. And and I've just realized in my experiences, especially as a you know doing an interview, leading a podcast, asking questions, uh, it's always interesting to see and and um, like yourself, very open and being being able to have that ability versus others that just uh, yeah like that just that very stoic. Uh, and not willing to open up and share those stories. Um, is that something that you've had to work on? Is that something that you saw in your experience of the teams, like a broad spectrum? Yeah, it's definitely something I have to work on. It's a constant challenge, yeah. right? You know, like yeah. I think there's a, there's a line. I think a lot of people in from the SEAL specifically have done it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think it's a challenge for anybody who gets out, right? When you're in, there's, there's just, there's just brotherhood and there's bond where you have to, be the silent professional. And I think you still need to be a silent professional when you get out. Yeah. But there's the problem becomes is when you go to try to market yourself or, or do yeah. a job interview or things like that. Like right. all you have to, to fall back upon is your previous experiences, right? And that's yeah. all you have to do. It's yeah. all you've done. That's all I've done. Yeah. So you have to in some way market yourself and, and, and talk about and speak about your skills and what you've done in the past. If you're unable to do that, you're going to be hard pressed to find a job or, or you know, or clients or whatever. So I really, I have three rules um, or really four rules actually now of, of how like storytelling, what it, what it is, is, you know, one is I stole this from a friend of mine, Jason Kuhn does speaking, you know, he's a Navy CEO does speaking engagements. You know, okay. number one is this an OPSEC violation? Am I giving away an operational security that's going to risk somebody's life? Right. Number two is just speak bad about, the Brotherhood, Navy SEALs, mm -hmm. uh, and your number three um, is, it, am I doing this for my own personal gain, right? Yeah. Somebody has to be benefiting from my story for me to put it out there. I'm not going to put this out there so I sound good. Yeah. I don't always get it right. You know, I, I really try and not. Yeah. Uh, I, and then, you know, the fourth rod is added is, is, uh, is there another way I could do this? If I could do this without telling the story, will the same point get across? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, that's how I kind of challenge it and challenge myself to make sure I'm, I'm telling the right stories because yeah. uh, there's tons of stories I could tell. Uh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> some of them aren't appropriate. You know, yeah, right. The situation is. No, I love it. That's, uh, you know, it's guide points, right? Principles, whatever rules that you have that uh, that help lead lead you down that path. So that's that's awesome. I think, uh, I think a lot of people could take those rules, whether you've been a SEAL or not or wherever you come from, like, you know, question your motives. Like, am I telling this to my, make myself look good? Or is this like really going to benefit somebody else and, and help them to, to see something they can't? Uh, so that's, that's great. Uh, get close to wrapping up here, but I do want to ask like, is there a moment that you can look back on and maybe just is really present for you where, you know, had you, I, I like to call them like critical moments, turning points where had you gone left um, you could be in a very different place than you are today. Um, and instead having the courage and the vision to be able to go right uh, the path that most wouldn't travel, uh, that obviously uh, has you sitting here right where you're at. Like, is there a defining moment, a critical moment, turning point that, that, that is, uh, comes present to you that you could share uh, with the listeners? Yeah, yeah I think the, mo the one that's most present, I mean, I could go back, there's a ton of them, you know, I, I think joining yeah. the SEALs and not going to college is, there's all yeah. these decision points, right, throughout life. Um, I think 
a lot of them I got really lucky in. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest one, I think, most recently, uh, and this is, you know, the last year or so, since I got out of the military, mm-hmm. was making the decision to do this on my own, right? Not go get a nine-to-five job uh, and stick to the reasons why I was going to get out of the military to be around my kids and be around my family and stuff and to create the life that I wanted to through that. And, you know, that, there wasn't been a direct route. Um, it hasn't always been easy. There's been lots of tough conversations with my wife when, hey, there wasn't a paycheck coming in. Uh, yeah. The startup I was working at was failing. And I mean, I never collected a paycheck from that startup and I worked for them for eight months. Oh, wow. You know, I, I had a newborn and a wife. Yeah. Um, that, that's, those are tough times. And, yeah. and, you know, it would have been super easy for me to go get a, finance job in the city, right? Or, or I'm living an hour, hour and a half north of New York City or so, you know, go and get a, a nine to five job, right? And make the decision to make that salary to not have to worry about the paychecks, right? And, and pay my bills and things like that. But had I not made that, or had I made that decision and took that easy road, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be able to spend the time that I want with my kids uh, when I can. So that, that I think to me is, is I took the harder route. You know, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't make yeah. a decision to avoid a short-term pain. Right. Um, I embraced that pain. I certainly got lucky that it worked out, but uh, I feel that I'm fortunate and I'm still, I'm still going through it. Uh, it's still, still a work in progress, but I'm glad that I made that, that choice to go for a long-term goal and what was right for me and my family. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's important because we all, we all face those decisions and, uh, and especially the listeners here, it's, you know, it's the courage to be able to, to choose the one that might not be the, the safe or the, the popular one, but it's definitely the right one for you. Uh, but it, <laughs> it's not necessarily the, the easiest one. And, uh, but to, to see that it, that it's worked out and it usually does work out, right? It always in one shape or form seems to always work out. So yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, before we wrap this up, what are one or two things that uh, you could leave with the listeners that they could take and just put into action for themselves right away to help move them uh, forward in life? Yeah. You know, I think to that last point is uh, you know, whether you're a leader of an organization, a leader you know, of your family or just an individual, take the time, the time to, Think about what decisions you're making and what the long-term ramifications are them, of them are. You know, are you doing something to avoid a short-term painful situation or a short-term hard conversation when in reality you should do the other, do the opposite and do what is the right call for the long-term, even though you got to go through a short-term period of struggle, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that you could apply that to going through buds and not quitting or, or, you know, in, in the pursuit for a job and holding out for what's the, the right one and having to go and eat ramen noodles for, you know, an extra <laughs> month or something like that, whatever that may be. Yeah, right. um, but, you know, I think that's really crucial. I don't think enough people do that and have a long, ver- a long view of, of, uh, of life and that uh, the, the years are short, but the days are, are fast or whatever that may be. Whatever that yeah, right. um, so I would leave them with that, you know. Awesome. Don't avoid the short term. Um, go for the long term. Yeah, thank you. What uh, what are a few ways that the followers can find out more about you, what you're doing? Um, you know, follow you on social media and, and get more. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, on social media, I'm at uh, Dan Mulroy Jr. So you know Dan Mulroy Jr. Uh, okay. Pretty much on in Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, I think Medium too. I put put some articles on on a Medium blog post. Uh, my website's three seven three north.com is the name of my my leadership company. Okay. Um, but yeah, connect to me on social. Uh, Twitter is probably one of the best places to do that, and yeah. uh, I put, put, my, put my articles on there and uh, on uh, LinkedIn. What's three seven three north? <clears throat> was so that three, yeah, so three seven three north. Uh, my view of people and individuals and on their path towards the future is that nobody's ninety degrees off. If you're walking in the woods, nobody's ninety degrees off of where they want to be, right? They're only a few yeah. degrees off. Yeah. And you know, if you think about it, if you walk for you know a minute, uh, five minutes, an hour, one degree off, you're you're not going to be that far off, right? When no. you get down the road. But if you were to walk across the country, if you're to walk for a week. A month, a year, you'd be drastically off. If you walk, I guess, like if you walk from LA to DC and you're one degree off, you'll end up in Baltimore. Yeah. Right. So those those are the small things that you have to adjust over time. So my belief is that people just need to make small course corrections over time and get where they're going. They're not 90 degrees off. So 373 North is just hey, 13 degrees off off true north. And yeah. uh, so that's just my my view of. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll get everything linked up for you. I just uh, appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you so much. Hey, no, thank you, Nate. And thank you to your audience for uh, giving me the opportunity to run my mouth here. A bit. Yeah, absolutely. Man. <laughs> thank you. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm called to be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a former.